This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, our job is to answer your personal finance questions. Today, between your phone calls, though, we'll talk about things that you buy that are a waste of your money. The list comes from the Almost Frugal website, and we went through some of the items on the list last week, so we'll continue that discussion this morning. You can always email the show as well. It's money at mpbonline.org. Sometimes we're not able to answer emails on the air, but Nancy and Ryder are good about responding to your email with an email of their own with some information that you're looking for. So we always like to start the show by talking about financial news and the news. To switch things up, Ryder, we'll let you go first this time. Uh, Yeah, good morning. So one thing that kind of has been emerging in the news is more and more of a story is the non-bank lending. Of course, it's been going on for a long time. Entities who are not actually banks creating loans for people, and that's fine. Uh, but in the wake of, especially in the beginning of this year, a couple of high-profile bank um, failures, then particularly in the venture capital world, uh, a lot of non-bank lenders uh, provided more loans to venture capital companies, more loans to startup companies. And this is important because a lot of times banks shy away from this kind of lending where you don't have necessarily reliable income, reliable cash flow. You don't necessarily have assets they can lend, lend against. So banks kind of shy away from that. It, it is a big area for non-bank lenders. And that's just private investors, private investor funds. Um, they also dabble in the consumer arena. So when we hear about you getting a personal loan from some website online, not from a bank. That is that is a non-bank lender. There will be some private fund backing that that is making the money off of that. Uh, we've seen it a lot with student loans, especially. And also, it's fairly common with mortgages. Non-bank mortgage ori- originators will package those up because they're all selling those to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac anyway. So they can offer some more creative lending. They can offer some people a kind of foot on the credit ladder when they couldn't get one from the bank. But there are some things to watch out for, importantly. Uh, watch out for kind of non-standard products. If you're getting a mortgage that's not a standard mortgage, maybe they're going to hold it or sell it to some fund and, and it doesn't have the same protections, it doesn't have the same you know, uh, no penalty for prepayment, things like that that a, a mortgage does. Um, they may have higher variable rates and they may have just more difficult terms. We see that especially the more difficult terms with student loans which your federal student loans have great terms. Even if you don't like them, they have great terms compared to what the private market might offer. Um, Always consider what all of your credit options are, be that 
credit cards, which I know Nancy had some information about what's going on in the credit card world right now, uh, accessing money from uh, a mortgage or uh, a loan against your home uh, before really venturing out for these uh, further out, uh, maybe more creative, but maybe also more expensive and onerous for you loans. This is Money Talks. We'll let Nancy's uh, give her take on financial news in the news this week, but we do have an early caller on the line. So let's first talk to Perry, who calls in from Brandon. Good morning, Perry. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. I have a question about uh, my portfolio had uh, stocks in it that uh, were not tied to uh, guaranteed dividends. And then, um, so, uh, of course, it rose and fail with the movement of the stock market. Now I have many more stocks that are more guaranteed because of my age. And my question about that is, how is that calculated uh, when the dividends are actually paid? Or is that averaged over a year? Or uh, and, and, of course, the portfolio continues to fluctuate with the stock market. Is it Does it not fluctuate as much because of the, uh, of the blue stocks? Uh, or how is what is the difference? I guess is my question of those two kind of stocks and how they impact your portfolio. Okay, so yeah. you said something there that I was a little confused about. You mentioned guaranteed dividends and more guaranteed than others. Well, I'm not sure what well, you mean by that. that. Yeah, you're what? Okay, well, I maybe I'm correct about that. Then I thought that there were stocks where there were uh, that you were. No. no, there are no, no guarantees in stock investing. No. no, no. So, so what we're talking right. about is a, so, is a dividend yield and how is that calculated. And again, those dividends for American companies, they typically pay dividends quarterly. But okay. the dividend yield is based on what they pay out over a full year. And it is the dollar in dividend divided by the dollar price of the stock. So as the stock price goes down, that dividend yield normally just goes up, naturally goes up, and it works the other way. So uh, as stock prices incline, then your dividend yield will start to shrink because the dollar dividends aren't changed that much. Typically, one time a year they will. The board will meet and decide on that. So that's okay. how that functions. I, I think, and also, obviously, we don't know what is specifically in your portfolio, but two uh, things to think about in the dividend investing world. One is dividends are just a distribution of company profits. So a company, like Nancy said, the board meets, they say, okay, we've had a dollar in profits. Uh, we want to... Obviously, we need to reinvest some of that to a dollar per share. I'm just you know, simplifying here. We want to reinvest some of that in our business. We'll reinvest 50 cents in our business, and we'll also send 50 cents uh, per share to our shareholders. And like Nancy said, they often plan this kind of several quarters, a year in advance. It's not guaranteed, though. Uh, uh, the board can say, oh, we don't have money. Mm-hmm. We're not going to send out this dividend. There are some okay. preferred shares, which have a... Not a guarantee, but a slightly more assured dividend. It, it's it's kind of a, a hybrid between debt and equity. Those usually don't fluctuate as much because it serves more as a bond that you can buy. But mm. as as far as one thing that that is out there, there are funds 
that buy a lot of dividend paying stocks or, you know, dividend paying stocks and bonds, some combination of the two. And they have a target of a dividend that they want to pay out. Say you have a fund and it targets, it's a $20 fund and $20 per share and it targets to pay out a dollar every year. Maybe it pays it out on a monthly basis, maybe a quarterly basis, maybe just once a year. And if they don't get the income from the bonds and the dividend paying stocks Mm -hmm. that they hold in their portfolio, then they'll just sell some. So they are returning some of that money back to you. So they may, they may quote unquote guarantee that you get a certain amount of dividend, but that doesn't mean that it's not just sending your money back to you. Because if you just gave me $20, I could give you a dollar a year for 20 years without doing anything. I didn't even count the interest in the bank that it would earn. So that's it, it's not exactly um, it's not exactly an earnings on your money. It's a return of your money. And also understand, you may be thinking about a guaranteed dividend because companies don't like to reduce their dividend. That's a mm-hmm. negative sign to the stock market, and their stock price will be punished if they lower their dividend. But they can. And a lot of people like to look at those companies who have uh, raised their dividends over long periods of years, and they like to invest in those companies, and that's one um, way of choosing your stocks. Uh, but be careful about that. That's not guaranteed. Okay. But, but at my age, which is retirement, 72, at my age, these seem less risky. And is that one I did, the advice was to, to move in this direction rather than yes. – Yes. that may have been more risky. But okay. but you also well, need you. to have a good piece in bonds because if you're retired, you may start to um, depend on your portfolio for income. And so it becomes yeah. important for you to have a piece that's very stable. Yeah, I, I will say that the existence of a dividend does not mean that a stock is less risky. Um, it certainly may respond to different things going on in the market differently. Uh, it tends they tend to be a different type of company maybe people think oh these growth companies these uh biotech companies these technology companies they are riskier and they don't pay dividends therefore dividends are a safety factor there is some at least psychological safety in receiving that cash payment uh but of course any investment in stocks uh is risky uh you are buying a company which can disappear um so uh-huh. it, it, the dividend itself does not mean that the company is any safer or that their stock price is going to be more stable. Okay. Well, thank you. You've been very helpful. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Good to hear from you this morning, Perry. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We'll get to Nancy's take on financial news and the news this week. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone, then you can listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. To fill some of the time between your calls, today we're talking about things that you buy that might be wasting you money, according to the Almost Frugal website. We started this discussion last week, so we're continuing it this morning. But first, Nancy, I did promise you your take on the financial news and news this week. Oh, I'm going to be a downer here. I've been beating the drum for quite a long time about this, Kevin, and now I'm just going to go to preaching. Um, Credit card balances are going up, 
and that is happening at the same time as credit card rates are going up, and I'm very concerned about that. Um, the current average balance on credit card is $5,733. That's a lot of money. And the average credit card rate right now across the country is 20.09%. That's about a half a percent more than what I mentioned just a few months ago. Those are variable rates. They do have to disclose that to you, but they can adjust those at any time. And we're starting to see delinquency rates going up, so people are having trouble making their payments. Um, this is also happening at the same time as student loan payments are going to be kicking back in in the fall. And so this is the time to really get yourself geared up. I mean, Christmas is around the corner. Student loan payments are on the horizon. You really need to address those credit card balances. The goal, which you can't always do this, but the goal should be that you pay off that credit card every month. Mm -hmm. So you don't incur that 20% charge. So I'm just trying to, to preach to everybody to really go back and look at all of your credit card balances, add them all up if you have multiple cards because you get fooled into thinking you don't owe that much, and really start paying attention to your statements. Look at what that interest rate is. Let it slap you in the face. And even though your savings account is now paying more, my goodness, it's at 4%. That cannot compete with 15 to 20%. So get rid of them before the holidays. Yeah, and, and of course, anybody who listens to this show knows that we're actually big fans of credit cards as a tool for helping manage your day-to-day expenses, not as a way to spend more than you're going to earn. So always, 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 if you're using a credit card, make sure that you're not spending more than you earn, but you're using that as a tool to manage kind of when you pay that. When you, can, you can line that up a little better with when your money is coming in versus when you're paying for those things. So I believe a couple of times I've on air have shared my uh, past issue with credit card balances. And one thing that Nancy said uh, is something that I eventually did that helped me kind of wake up, as it were, and smell the coffee, and that is pay attention to your balances. I, my problem, and I think with a lot of people, when you kind of get in credit card debt, you you sort of just don't look at it. You pay your monthly mm, minimum you or whatever. It. Right. But if you force yourself to look at your statement every month or just what I did was I had a spreadsheet, and finally I was like, okay, well, here are my balances. And as you said, Nancy, it, it's more than you think it is. So to me, if you can force yourself each month to review and see that again and again and again each month, see that mo- that money, that uh, that balance that you owe, I think that might be a little bit of incentive to help you turn the corner and start paying down that debt. And certainly right now, Kevin, um, people are working. Uh, we have very low unemployment rate. People are getting decent raises. So this is the perfect time. Don't fool yourself into thinking that this gravy train is going to keep going and you can keep adding to that balance. This is the time to address it and get ready for leaner times. So, Nancy, would you also say this is the time if you have a credit card that has higher interest rates to possibly shop around for a new one and do a balance transfer? Absolutely, yes. Yes. And of course, the key to that, which we have talked about many times on this show, is having a good credit score, a good clean credit record. And that allows you the leverage that you need to get a better arrangement. One other thing that uh, is in the news that caught my eye, at least, and I saw this uh, just this morning on when I was surfing through the uh, net before the show started, and that is that Walmart is closing down a number of their self-check uh, options and are returning to the traditional 
you slide your groceries or your purchases down the, the conveyor belt and the and the employee uh, rings them up for you. Apparently, uh, the uh, self-check uh, kiosks are a great way for people to steal, basically. And so Walmart yeah, is reacting mm-hmm. to that. It's loss of inventory, and uh, they're not able to police those well enough. And so they're finding it might be worth it for them to pay a cashier. Of course, that means if you go into a Walmart, get ready to stand in line for a long time. (laughs) That's interesting because some of them, um, well, like the one that I go to in Pearl, it's like six of them. And there's only like one person sort of overseeing that sort of thing. So. Uh, but the other, on the other side of that, I've read that um, that people are urging consumers not to do that because that you could if you if you inadvertently don't scan something and walk out of the store with it, you basically have shoplifted. And so uh, the story that I've read too is that Walmart has become very aggressive about uh, you know following up on that. And I thought I thought I read somewhere that said they they store the video and and the purchases, so even retroactively they could try to come after you if they see there's an inconsistency there. So uh, I guess I would say if you continue to use them, uh, make sure that every item that you scan gets scanned properly. You know, if you have some issues or whatever, call someone over there. But uh, interesting thing on the, um, the self-check, which was a convenient thing, but it's, a, it's created a number of problems apparently. So we'll see how that plays out in the coming months. Got another caller on the line uh, that we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, but first, let's talk about one of the items on the list of things to stop buying to save money. Uh, bulk purchases. Now, there are those uh, kind of stores that you can go that kind of specialize in bulk purchases. And I guess if you need a lot of one particular thing, it's a good thing. But as we said, I think last week with sale items, Nancy, sometimes you just it's a it's not a good idea just to buy something because there's a, a lot there to buy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I've tried Costco. It's just right down from the office. Um, it, it's very enticing. You go in there and people have huge buggies that they're hauling out. But there are just two people in my household, and um, I don't find the pricing that attractive when I really compare it. And maybe it's more beneficial for us to just pay a little bit more and get just exactly what we need. We don't have a problem with trying to store all those extra things or that they just go unused. Uh, Ryder, I guess there are some items that you can buy in bulk that could be stored and used, but you would have to be very selective about what you buy because you don't want to buy, you know, two tons of something and have a ton and a half of it go to waste. Absolutely. One of the things you really have to watch out for that in is uh, perishables or things that, you know, if you need a pack of hot dog buns just because you can get 12 of them for a slightly reduced price doesn't mean you should get them. There, there are things that you're buying that you, you're really not going to use that before it goes bad. But yeah, things that things that don't. Well, you know, cleaning products. If you if you go through a lot of cleaning products, paper products, which I know we talked about last week as something that maybe you shouldn't be buying at all. But people still do need toilet paper, and people still do need paper towels from time to time. And that those are uh, very cheap ways to do it. And of course, if you are uh, especially working with an organization planning an event and you do need bulk products for a just if you happen to be cooking for a lot more people or something like that or preparing something for a lot more people that would be important 
And maybe if you have uh, relatives or friends that uh, you could maybe shop to, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they'd allow you in the store, but you could at least have a list where, you know, I'm buying 50 pounds of hot dog buns, but I'm only saving 25 puns for me, right? You're getting the other 25 tons. <laughs> That's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. Make a make a little buying club. Yeah, well, it's always good to know who has the Costco card amongst your or the Sam's Club card amongst your friends, so you can you can partner up for a trip there. As I mentioned, we do have a caller on the line, so this time we're going to go to Cleveland. Talbot has called in today. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is this: You know, I'm seeing the rise in interest rates, and so. To me, that signals not necessarily the best time to buy a home or to remodel using a second mortgage. But at the same time, home prices do seem to be rising um, uh, faster than they have in recent years. And uh, I'm looking at my home going, geez, if I I want to stay at the edge of the fair market value, it wouldn't hurt to do that remodel. So there's kind of a, 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 a tipping point, I suppose, between the return on investment and doing a remodel right now with the interest rates where they are, and I'm not quite sure how to figure out where that is. Well, I would say to you, um, if you're thinking about a remodel, then that means you're planning to stay in your home for a while, and so you really need yes. to think about something fuzzy here, and the fuzzy part of this is well, will that make your home more attractive and more appealing and more functional for you? Will you be happier living in that place if you redo the kitchen or redo the bathrooms? Um, And so that's something I can't quite measure. If I look just at interest rates and what it's going to cost you and also the high price of supplies right now because we've had inflation and issues with supply chains that are somewhat easing, but it may not make mathematical sense. But again, this is your home. If you feel like it's in a good location and it will be a good investment and this is going to make life better for you, then I would say go ahead. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. That that helps me to kind of noodle over this some more. Good. All right, uh, Talbot, thanks for your call this morning. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. You can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We do have another caller on the line. Ocean Springs we go to this time, and Kelton has called in today. Go ahead. You're on the air with us. Hey, yeah, good morning. Morning. I have a question. Uh, Good morning. So just a a quick take on what you're talking about with Costco and whatever. You know, they're they're great for buying tires and purchases like that as well. And then if you have a – you get rebates back from Costco – so we always find it a good deal. We do buy all of our toiletries uh, from there, and we also have two kids in the house, 13-year-old and 16-year-old, and uh, we, we use Costco quite a bit. But my question uh, is, you're talking about 4% interest rates um, on savings accounts. Uh, who's offering those? Because I think I'm with Keesler Federal Credit Union, and uh, I have a, several investments with them. But I think the highest that I have right now is a 3.6 that I'm invested in. But you're talking about savings accounts that are yielding 4%. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
there are I, I know there are some banks locally that are offering four percent or uh, over four percent. Particularly, sometimes they will have some stipulations here. I know one bank offering a money market at four point two five percent. It does say it's for new money only, so you can't just go and ask for that rate uh, on your existing account. Uh, there are a lot of banks I've been hearing more and more about people just going to their bank and saying, "Hey, I see a higher rate offered elsewhere. I see a higher rate offered at the bank across the street. Can I have that on my money?" And they will raise interest rates there. Uh, if you want a a brick and mortar bank that you can drive to, you're just going to have to narrow that list down to what's available to drive through. But there are a lot of websites. We're pretty big fans of Bankrate.com uh, for searching for online rates that are good. I just pulled it up, pulled up savings and money markets, and there's just a whole slew of them, 4 5.05, 5.05, 5%, 4.3, 4.5. I mean, there's there's a lot of them out there online. Um, one of the things I've said before, you do just kind of want to also take into account how convenient that bank is. So again, if you want a brick and mortar, then an online bank is simply not going to do. But making sure that you're going to be able to transfer money easily between your accounts, making sure that you can get customer service if something just goes disastrously wrong with the website. If you just can't figure something out, do they have helpful customer service? What is that experience like? So uh, give them a call to find out what that is like. Uh, see for yourself what that is like. And remember, online banks are banks. They are FDIC insured. You look Absolutely. for that symbol for FDIC insured. So they are just protected. I've been using online savings accounts for many years now. I use just my local brick-and-mortar bank for my checking account, and everything else goes uh, to an online account where, that, where I earn a good bit more on my money. And, and just one point about FDIC insurance, there's also the uh, credit unions are insured by a slightly different organization. It's basically the same or very similar term. So he mentioned Keesler, that is a credit union. They would be insured by, I believe it's NCUA, uh, the National Credit Union Association, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's slightly different, but again, you would be looking for, with a credit union, that credit union uh, insurance uh, as opposed to the FDIC. Um, I have an online savings account also. Um, and um, it, it, the only thing I'll say is be, because it's a couple of days that if you need to transfer into like a bank account or something, you know, you've got to plan ahead a little bit of a time. But I like having mine. I think mine is at 4%. It's um, American Express. That thing, though, <clears throat> that uh, Ryder mentioned that I'll echo, and that is you know, if it's online, do check out the customer service because nothing can be more frustrating when you're kind of trying to battle at a website and you can't figure out what you need or where you need to go. But uh, I, I've uh, I've enjoyed having mine, and I think it's it's they periodically update you on whatever the interest rate. Every time it's raised up, I get a little email that says, "Hey, good news! The interest rate has gone up to whatever it is." Yeah, so. and I'm hey, actually. Go ahead, Nancy. I was going to say, with, with credit unions, there's a little bit of difference in the approach there because, of course, they are loaning out to their members, and um, they're basing their rate on what those loans are and, and the cash that they have on hand. And they tend to be a little bit slower in adjusting their rates because they have to have a board meeting, and then they have to decide on what the rate's going to be. But certainly, you could go and make a request to the board and just say, look, that's what I'm seeing around everywhere else, and they may consider it. 
And I will say, just looking on Keesler's website, they do say they offer up to 5% on the first 25000 in your checking account, so that's kind of attractive. Their savings rates do look uh, pretty abysmal, though. Great. Kelton, thanks for calling in this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your personal finance question. So between your phone calls today, we've been talking about uh, things to stop buying to save money. Next on the list, and I think this is a good one, in bottled water. It says a water filter or filtering pitcher for tap water will cut costs, uh, which is one of the things I have in my refrigerator. It's, it works very well. I think it's a Brita product, but uh, I like that because then I've always got some nice, cold, fresh, filtered water in my refrigerator ready for me when I get thirsty. So... Uh, but I guess this is also sort of an environmental thing. We don't want to have eight gazillion plastic bottles floating around the globe. So any thoughts on, on bottled water? Uh, Ryder, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of tap water. You're probably already paying for a lot of it and it is incredibly cheap on a per unit cost. Uh, if you do have concerns about the quality of your tap water uh, in the U.S., if you are on a public uh, water system, then they do have publicly available water quality reports. Uh, of course, there can be interruptions if there's uh, particularly people notice when there's road construction nearby, there might be some interruptions if uh, somebody puts their digger in the wrong place. And um, so that can be, you know, a bit of a hassle. And there can be boil water notices. Of course, the state health department helps put those off, but they're fairly uh, rigorously run. And a lot of our tap water is very good quality. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that bottled water is held to a standard. It is often a lower standard than your municipal water supply. So if you're buying it because of some concerns about trace this or that, or the other, um, it might be better to go with your municipal water supply where you're probably already receiving water quality reports. Uh, but filters, yes, the Brita filters, that type, the pitcher, you have a drop-in um, filter inside of a pitcher, that's great for you know, probably 20 bucks or 30 bucks to get started, and you know, maybe 20 bucks a year for, for filters, you can keep that going. A lot of folks have under sink filter so they've just installed an extra tap maybe in their kitchen Uh, that is what i personally have and i just have a reminder to change the filter it's maybe i don't know how much the filter is but probably about twenty dollars every six months or so to change that filter and i use that also for cooking and everything um to make sure that it's clean water coming out and uh, nancy kevin go ahead uh just disclaimer here um writer likes the bubbly water well, now, see, uh, yeah. yeah, and sometimes if it comes out of the tap like that, I mean, it's just a bonus, right? No, I mean, no, oh, that that is a different thing because I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the of the bubbly water, but it's a, it is a different product, it, and I would also say too, Nancy, the bottled water uh, can be expensive. I know there's that brand that's in the fancy square bottle, yeah. and then it's to me, it's water yeah. is water, but you can pay a lot of money well, if you want. I, I, and I will say, we do keep some nicer kinds in the office because we want to look like we're kind of upscale, you know? Uh, But yeah, I'm with Ryder. Just out of the tap is good for me. (laughs) All right. Now, the next item on our list, I fortunately do not partake, so I haven't had to deal with this, but that is coffee. And the fact is you can go to a Starbucks or other coffee shop and spend quite a bit of money on on one cup of coffee, I guess. So 
Um, maybe I'll excuse myself oh from my this conversation gosh. because I'm not a coffee drinker. This, but. Uh, this is something. This is one of the first examples that always comes up when people are like, "Oh, this is how you can save money. Stop buying coffee at your favorite coffee shop." Um, and uh, Nancy and I have both said this before. Yes, you can absolutely save money by making a cup of coffee yourself. Uh, let's just get that out of the way. However, if Going to a coffee shop once a week is just a, a, a great, pleasurable experience. You enjoy, you enjoy the interaction. You enjoy the cup of coffee because let me tell you, I cannot make a cup. I cannot make a cup of coffee nearly as it, good. It's, 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 it's true. He cannot. It's he cannot. absolutely true. I can make one much stronger <laughs> than some of my it's favorite that. coffee shops, but it does not taste as good. The pleasure from the experience of paying four dollars or, or whatever it is i don't look at my receipt uh for a cup of coffee at a nice coffee shop i really truly enjoy that and and just as well sometimes you got to watch out if you're making you know if you're having to make a whole pot at the office or at home just to get one cup of coffee you're also not necessarily saving a ton you know bag of coffees you know it's 10 bucks you know and you have to you have to do that and you have to go through the process yourself again if you're doing it just to get a cup of coffee, absolutely. Make your own, make it ahead, stick it in the microwave. You're not caring about the quality here. If you're doing it for the experience of ha- and the enjoyment of having a nice cup of coffee, it's, it's like the experience of going out to eat. Look, yes, we know we can save money by cooking inside the house, but sometimes we want to experience that going outside the house, going and having someone serve us. Sometimes that's the experience that we're looking for. So, Nancy, following up on what Ryder's saying here, and I think this is a point that we've made on the air before, too, is you are allowed to splurge a little bit. And the the idea is within balance. Don't go overboard. But if you want to treat yourself to a cup of coffee every now and then, maybe not such a bad idea. Well, and and Ryder always talks about uh, what you value and spending your money on what you value. And um, I think it's a matter of if you're reasonable everywhere else and you are paying attention to how you manage your money and those credit card balances aren't going up because you're, you know, taking a flyer and buying $4 coffees every day, um, then, yeah, enjoy that. Life is short. Of course, I'm in mourning right now, Kevin, because my doctor has said I need to cut back on my coffee. (laughs) And I really love my coffee. Mm. Well, like I said, I, how I've avoided it, I don't know, but I have never been a coffee drinker, uh, and I, I always like to tell a quick story of that when I first uh, came to work here many moons ago, uh, I was the sign-on person, so I you know, had to be there at like 4.30 in the morning or whatever. So the guy that was training me the first day was like, oh, hey, you want a cup of coffee? And I'm like, nah, I don't drink coffee. He's like, oh, that's going to change. And so I guess I thought that was a little bit of a challenge. I thought, well, we'll see about that. And the funny thing was, they wanted me to be a coffee drinker because then when everybody came in at the regular 8 o'clock time, hey, we have the coffee ready. So, Well, sometimes, especially in a bigger office, sometimes it is a a good social experience. It's part of of, uh, the office life. Of course, you don't have to have a cup of coffee in your hand to sit around and enjoy that time with your coworkers. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. <clears throat> so today we've been talking about things to stop buying to save money. The list comes from the Kind of Frugal website. Uh, the next one on our list is one of these that's how much are you willing to spend for convenience. But the list says to skip prepackaged and prepared foods like cut vegetables, bagged salads, that sort of thing. Um... I'll say that uh, I 
I have stopped buying bagged salad and started buying just lettuce because I think the to me the bagged salad that's kind of all chopped up more than I like it anyway. And plus, if you buy your lettuce or whatever, you kind of get to decide what you put in your salad without someone else making that choice. So what are your thoughts on, on the prepackaged veggies and things, Ryder? I think there's a lot of – so food is something that everyone buys. It's in everyone's budget, and it can be a significant part of people's budget too because it's it's not – Something you you can't just say, oh yeah, oh, money's a little tight. We're just going to skip eating this week. And I mean, you, you laugh. I mean, obviously, there are people who are in pretty dire situations so that might be a bigger problem for. But it, for most people, that is going to be in your budget. It's going to be a constant in your budget, and you've probably noticed the price is going up a lot in the past few years. Uh, and if you throw in meals outside of the home, that can be even more expensive. So there's a lot of ways. To save money there from you know the meals outside the home, the more you cook inside the home is gonna probably gonna save you money. The more you plan ahead, uh, meal prep, thinking about your meals for the week. So, for instance, if you buy a head of lettuce and you're like, oh, "I'm gonna make a salad," well, now you're you're stuck with the rest of the lettuce. Uh, if you don't make a plan to go ahead and use that, that is going to go to waste. Uh, so, making you know, thinking of meals that are using similar ingredients so you can buy a larger, a more bulk item um, for those things. So planning ahead is really important, um, including planning ahead with your time. So you mentioned cut vegetables and bag salad and kind of convenience things there, prepackaged things that are very convenient. Yes, that's great if you have no time. But if you also, again, you've planned ahead for the week, maybe there's some preparation you can do. I love cooking inside. I love cooking at home. And one of the most important things for me is having the time to read the recipe through, pull out all my ingredients, get everything chopped and measured and weighed, whatever I need to do with that. And then when it comes to actually cooking, I, it just flows very naturally. And if I do have to keep my eyes on other things in the house, then it's okay because I'm not running around the kitchen trying to find a quarter teaspoon of garam masala or whatever I have to measure out. So a lot of preparation, not just looking at what you're doing um, for the week as far as you know, using similar ingredients, using things you can repeat, uh, use, using up your leftovers, uh, but also making sure you have the time. Because again, that convenience you pay for, but if you have the time and you can enjoy that, absolutely. So Nancy, to me, this is kind of like when we talked about the bottled water. And the fact is that sometimes these cut vegetables or the prepackaged stuff gets to be quite expensive. So I guess it is a matter of how much is my convenience worth, I suppose. Well, it is, and one thing I've been trying to educate myself on is how to properly store those perishable vegetables. Good point. In the refrigerator, and, Nancy. You know, I, I, Instagram has been a wealth of knowledge for me. Like, oh, you can put a piece of tape on your tomatoes. Um, you can wash your bananas off and uh, wrap them in some paper towel, and they will last longer. And even how you store your lettuce. Um, where's the proper place to, to put your potatoes and your onions and all of that, because that is precious stuff. And, and I'm going to give another plug for our farmer's market. Mm -hmm. uh, Mississippi has great farmer's markets, and sometimes you pay a little bit more, but those are quality um, 
uh, vegetables that you get there. And so you want to make sure that you can use them and you don't let them go to waste. And uh, mentioning farmer's market, that's a, I'm so glad you did that because that's something I think of a lot. The value of knowing who you're buying from, um, not just in shopping for food, but particularly with food, uh, because you can... When you go to the farmer's market, you will notice there are things that are particularly in season and they will be the cheapest at the farmer's market. When it, yeah, when it, in the two weeks that bell peppers are coming in, you can get just, just garbage bags of bell peppers for next to nothing. You know, in the, in the summer tomatoes at the farmer's market, you can't get better or cheaper tomatoes. Um, and then you can also, the farmers there are experts in how to use their foods, how to use them, how to prepare them, how to store them, etc. So if you say, oh my gosh, what a great deal on XYZ vegetable. I don't know how I would use all of that. They will give you some ideas. Um, so that's very valuable knowing, being able to talk to the person who you know is selling you the product. They, they might be able to help you um, use that in a more efficient manner. I think that's a great point about our farmer's markets. And so I mentioned lettuce as, as an effort to try to eat more healthy. I generally have kind of a little salad at lunch. And I found one product that has been extremely helpful to me in keeping the lettuce fresh. And it's like, it's not the green bag, but it's like a Tupperware thing that's green. And it somehow has some sort of fil- something Uh-oh. system to where a the... Spinner? Ke- Kevin's well, no, it's, spinner? it's not Ke- the spinner. Kevin's been sold a product. And it works. I, we were trying to save money here, Kevin. <laughs> it's one of, It somehow keeps the moisture or the air away from the lettuce. But I have found that it keeps the lettuce fresher longer because that's one of the problems I had as a single person. I like lettuce as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to, you know, eat a head of lettuce a day. So this helps keep it fresher longer. So I get a better value out of it, I think. So, well, Kevin, my, my granddaughter says when she grows up, she's going to drink coffee and eat salads. And we're thinking, <laughs> but can you just eat a few salads now? <laughs> well, what can she drink coffee now? Is she, is she no, making the coffee no, at least? What's the no. situation there? We don't want to caffeinate that. <laughs> All right. On this next one, I'm going to skip down our list because, and again, one of the things I think that I've said this on the air before, something I like about these lists is some of them seem to be practical. Some of them seem to be a little bit impractical. And I think sometimes we have a little bit fun poking fun at some of these on the list, but I'll skip down to the list and it says, Make your own lip balm. So, oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm not sure what the recipe for that I think is. I called a jar of Vaseline. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I'm a lot, big ingredient is some sort of oil or wax in a lot of those. So it is possible. Well, but I mean, d- d- to me, I would think that that's one where convenience might take up because I, and well, I haven't had to buy chapstick or I lip don't balm know. recently. Is it expensive? I it's think like we two need bucks a tube, everyone to call in right now and tell us how much they spent on lip balm in the past year. Like, what is the line item in your budget for lip balm? How much did you exceed your lip balm budget last year? <laughs> tell us how it has been. I, I, that's, that's, not a, that's not an earth-shaking one right there, I don't think. <laughs> You're definitely going to save more money by skipping one restaurant meal a year than in changing your lip balm habits for your lifetime. Well, I, I think they were scraping the bottom of the barrel there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, we can definitely make fun of that one. I really appreciate that that little joke being put in there for us. Also, I would say if we had the lip balm discussion in the middle of say. 
December, there might be a little bit of a different because I know that I do get chapped lips in the wintertime. So That's right. I'm, we need to have a reminder. Our uh, first December episode, we're going <laughs> to we're going to get people to call in and talk about their lip balm spending habits. But that's also I think lip balm, chapstick, whatever is one of those where you when you find some, you might find a drawer that has, oh, I don't know, four or five tubes of half used. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some the, the floating around. From, you pull out the coat from last year and you reach in your pocket and you go, oh. Lip balm. Perfect time for the season. You know, I did something like that once, although I reached in my pocket of the jacket and pulled out like a $20 bill. I was so happy. Oh, I, I was like, fun. wow, that was. Uh... That's probably more than most people will spend on <laughs> lip balm in years. All right, we're going to seal the discussion on lip balm because we have run out of time. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear to Joe, to hear today's show or a previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.